Amen. You may be seated this morning. You know, uh, Heather and I married 30 plus years and uh, been in lots of, uh, along with marriage, lots of people I have met along the way and friendships I have. It's interesting to me how God puts people together who are different. Hello? Nobody's friends with someone that's just like you, right? And there's usually one person in the relationship that is the more spontaneous. That's like, let's go. This will be fun. Yeah, let's strike out and do this. I know I haven't Googled it. I know I have no idea what this is going to be. Let's go, though. And the other one in the relationship is more like, hey, I don't know. Let's, uh, let's think about this. Let's pray about this. You know, let's really research this. Let's think about this. Put all that together because that's how relationships work. There's usually a spontaneous and there's usually a more analytical. And the thing is with the spontaneous, they're great. They're fun. They're good to be around. And I love that, Heather. And that's wonderful. Sometimes the spontaneous person later says, you know, maybe I should have thought through that more. Hello? And then there's the other person, the analytical one. And they tend to have paralysis because of analysis and they never get to do the thing that they really ought to do because they thought it and thought it and thought it and overthought it and never did it. And that's what they usually regret later is, you know, we probably should have done that. I just overthought it and got stuck in it and got afraid and didn't ever do anything. Hello? Whichever one you are, it is interesting that we all have a mental checklist that we work through when it comes to making decisions. Whether it's a little one about where you want to go eat after church, or if it's a big one, where are we going to move to? All those decisions, we all have a little bit of a checklist that goes with us. I thought we would just play with this this morning and, and see where we are. You just tell me, if you're having a mental checklist of things that you are walking through in your mind, is it what? What is something that you would say, this is one of the things I have to go through in my mind if I'm going to work through a checklist before I make a decision? Tell me, what is one of the things that you ask yourself? Is it safe? Yeah. Is this going to be safe or am I going to get hurt on this deal? What else? Say it again. Yes. Is this going to be enjoyable or not? Nobody wants to do something that is not fun, right? What else? Yes. Everybody said, gosh, it's true. It's like, all right, what's this going to cost me financially, emotionally, all of that stuff, right? Yeah. What else? Yeah, where is this? Where are we going? I don't want to go someplace if it's too cold unless we're going to come back soon. And that's just me talking, right? What else? Yes. How much time? I think that's the same thing that was said over here. Time. What kind of time is it going to require of me? How long are we going to be there? And when am I coming back? All that stuff. What else? Say it again. Yeah, what's gonna, what are we going to do while we're there? Back here. No? Okay. Anybody else? A what do I wear? Yeah. Yes. Yes. What about spouse or other friend? What are they want? They want to do this? Now, I've kind of run out of room here. Let's, let's, let's add one or two more to it. Because I think there's a few more waiting in the room here. What else? Say it again. Snacks, what are you gonna what are you gonna eat there? 
Hey, that's not a kid thing. That's all of us. You said snacks. We said dinner, you know. What are we going to eat? I'm with you. Hey, and is this not one of our day here? What does Google say about it? (laughs) Right? What do other people say about it? Here's what Heather asked me. What do the reviews say on that? Right? Right? Let's check this out. See what other people have said about it. And then you kind of get this other one like, I need to check with some professionals. Because, you know, some people, they obviously know more than us. And so let's ask some people who know for sure about this thing. I think these are some of the questions that we all ask if we're going to make a decision. Because the last thing that any of us want at the end of the day is to make a decision that we say, that was crazy. I want no crazy. I don't want to do something and regret it. I don't want to do something and look foolish. I don't want to do something and it cost me three times as much as what I thought it was going to. I don't want to do something and it fall apart. I don't want any of that. And I totally understand that. And there's a place for some of this, I think, in life. It's wise. It's wise to make decisions that require a little bit of a mental checklist. It's wise if you're going to be spending some money to know what you're spending your money on. It's wise if you're going to take a vacation to kind of know where you're going. But here's the deal. As important as all of this is, there is one thing that we have to always put on the list. Is there something that God says about this? Sometimes I'm afraid that we have this checklist of ours and we we so know it and so use it that sometimes we walk through all of this and then at the end we say, well, if all of this checks out, then I will have faith. Then I'll trust God. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, I think we would all agree, you've got to have some room for some crazy in your life. You've got to be willing to hear God say something and call you to do something that actually is not safe. You might not initially enjoy it. There's a great cost to it. You don't know where you're going, Abraham. It's gonna take a lot longer time than you thought. You're not gonna know everything that you're gonna do. Other people are gonna reject it. You might not have enough to eat there. Google is sure not going to agree with you. The reviews are not going to be as popular as you might think. And the professionals are going to tell you, you crazy. Faith has to be greater than our list. I have to believe what God says. Because this faith that you and I are in is crazy. If you're telling me you believe that there's a God who created the entire universe, that's crazy. Hello? It may not be to you because you've been inside the church, inside the faith for a while, but you talk to someone outside the faith this morning and tell them that they did not evolve, they are not as part of a long list and line of animal species that came out of an ooze and is going to somewhere we don't know, but that there's an actual creator in heaven who has a design, they say, you crazy. If you're telling me you believe that there is a God 
who saw you in your sin and sent his son to live here on the earth and he was absolutely sinless in his time here and because he loved you, he laid down his life having never seen you eye to eye and that somehow his death pays for your sin and his resurrection proved it was true and that by believing in that son of God you can have your sins removed you're telling me that's what you believe that's crazy right you're telling me you believe that his death meant something for us that's crazy you're telling me that you believe in this you're telling me you put him first in your life that's crazy you're telling me that you believe he has a purpose for your life that it's bigger than your own intentions and plans and that by reading his word, the Bible, that you also say is without error? That's crazy talk to the world today. If you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to have some capacity for some crazy. If not, you can't follow him. Because you have to believe that there is something beyond this. You have to believe that there's an eternity waiting beyond this. You have to believe that there's a realm at play even right now in this room that has the angelic and the demonic in it. You start talking that stuff outside these walls, you get looked at like you crazy. Hello? And you're going to tell people that you believe that this God in heaven actually can change you and give you a new heart and free you from addictions and heal your mental dis-ease and give you peace of God and have you walk a certain way in your life that brings honor to him and he actually uses you to show others his glory that's all crazy talk you believe that he can redeem a family that he can change a life that he can restore what's been lost and that he can actually heal this nation that's crazy but you and I have to have some room for some crazy if not you cannot really be a follower of Jesus because this faith calls us to believe in something we can't see. This faith calls us to believe in something bigger than us. This faith calls us to believe that he is a good God to us. You've got to have some room for some crazy. Our message today is this. Your faith needs some crazy. It does. And sadly, so often we have taken our faith through all the filters here and we've narrowed it down to something down here that is just microscopic. It's not big. It's little. It's containable. It's respectable. It's religious. It stays on Sunday. It stays in a small compartment of my life. It doesn't affect the rest of my life. But the following that Jesus calls us to is a following that says, I'm willing to believe crazy. I'm willing to lay down my life for you, Jesus. I'm willing to deny myself and take up my cross and follow you, Jesus. Because faith, the Bible says, is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. It's the evidence of things that are crazy. And I believe them. We walk by faith and not by sight. You and I walk by crazy, not by our list. Hello? So this morning... If you feel a little tear going on inside your soul, it's because the Spirit of God is attempting to rip all of this away and make this the first of the list up here and be willing to choose faith over every one of these on the list.
Are you with me so far? Everyone needs a little bit of crazy. Turn your Bibles today to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to get one verse today. How about that? Me, one verse? Yes, one verse. But boy, we're going to really look at this verse. Because we're going to look at a person today in Scripture who followed something crazy. In fact, Hebrews 11 is a list of crazy people. It's a list of people who said, I'm going to choose to believe God against the odds, against what I can logically understand. And they're crazy. Hebrews 11, 7 describes for us the man named Noah. And Noah was crazy. Noah believed God for something that nobody else had ever heard of, seen, or believed. And yet with faith, he followed the Lord. Here's what the verse says, verse 7. It says, by faith, Noah. That's important right there alone. By faith, Noah. Not by his list, Noah. Not by his feelings, Noah. Not by his logic, Noah. Not by his experiences, Noah. Not by the amount of money he had, Noah. By faith, Noah. He did something. It says, being divinely warned of things not yet seen. Now the cool part of verse seven is, it puts in one verse what Genesis six is and onward. It takes a big story from the Old Testament and puts it in one verse for us. Here it is. Noah was divinely warned by God of things not yet seen. God said, Noah, I want to tell you what's going to happen. And as followers of Jesus, this is what he does. He speaks to us and he tells us his word and he tells us his way. And you have to believe it by faith because a lot of it will seem absolutely crazy. The world will laugh at you. Your own logic will tell you that's ridiculous. But faith believes what God says above the list. And God told Noah he was going to do something crazy. He warned him because God said to Noah, I'm going to destroy the earth. The creator God who created all things, who created man and put him in the garden, gave him a wife, blessed them. This same God is now going to destroy the entirety of life on the planet? This is what God tells him. And the Bible says that Noah heard God and he believed God. Now, I know the automatic thing that you think of when you think of Noah is what? An ark. Noah built an ark. He did. But I would say this. Being a builder was not Noah's profession. He was not an architect, an engineer, a designer by trade. The New Testament tells us what his actual trade was, what he did. Ark building was something he did on the side. But what he did, Peter writes the New Testament and says, Noah was a preacher. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So when Noah heard God that there was a warning that he was going to destroy the earth, Noah said, I got to get busy telling people 
that judgment is coming and that there is a God who loves them and can free them from the judgment to come. Does that sound like something you and I might be called to? There is the awareness that there is a judgment coming. In fact, I, I really see that Noah is a picture of the church in the very early pages of Genesis. It's showing us how God relates to us and what he calls us to do. Noah lived at a time when the world was corrupt. Is anybody living at a time when the world is corrupt today? Hello. Noah heard God say, here is the plan for how to escape the judgment that's coming. Anybody else hear, hear a plan for how to escape the judgment that's coming? Yeah. It's the same time in which we live. Noah is a beautiful picture in the Old Testament of this same calling that you and I have. And so Noah doesn't say, well, that seems pretty risky. I'm going to have to run this through my list. Will it be safe if I go around telling people that judgment is coming? Will I enjoy this? Is there going to be a cost to this and this whole ark thing? Where am I going to, where is this even going to go? Where is this going to land? What's going to happen? How long is this going to take? What's going to happen after that? What are others thinking about this along the way? Is my family going to like this? Are my friends going to like this? What's the neighborhood going to say? Will there be plenty to eat on this thing you call an ark God? What, what do others say about this? We can put this all together right in here. What do the professionals in the day say about this? If Noah had run all of that through his list, he would never have been a preacher of righteousness and a builder of an ark. Because he walked through his list instead of by allowing faith to be prominent. But Noah chose to believe what God said even when he hadn't seen it. And when you believe something that you've never seen, that's crazy. But this is what you and I do. We believe in a God who is real, who says judgment is coming, it's real. Who says there's a way of escape, that's real. Who says if you'll enter into what I have built for you, you can be saved from the judgment to come. That's all real. And the Bible tells us this is exactly what Noah did. He preached a message of righteousness, but Noah also did something else. It tells us the next part of verse seven, that moved with godly fear. In other words, on the inside, understanding the reverence of God, the holiness of God, and what God was gonna bring to pass, he prepared an ark for the saving of his household. And God gave him the dimensions. He gave him the very specific dimensions of what this ark was to be. It would be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 foot tall. It would be comprised of three decks inside. There'd be a window at the top. It would be covered with a water sealant that Noah would prepare. It would house two of every species of animal on the planet. It would house his family, and it would be able to survive a catastrophic, life-ending flood on the earth. That's crazy. No one had ever done that. No one had ever seen that. No one even understood what he was doing. And no one certainly believed that there was a God who was bringing judgment and provided a way of escape. It's crazy. Noah spent 120 years doing this. Longer than any of our lifetimes. It would take years. It would cost much. 
but he gave himself to it. It would cause Noah to have to face rejection and mockery, but he didn't run it through his checklist. He let faith drive the story and his belief. Now, this story is important for us because Jesus would say in the New Testament, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be when the Son of Man comes again. So that's very important for us. This story is important for a lot of reasons, but it's important because it tells us about when Jesus is coming back. And it puts us right in the middle of the Noah story. It puts us right in, the, in this story because, again, judgment is coming. The judge will return. Jesus is returning to this earth, you know. And when he comes again, it will not be like he came the first time. It will be this time to come as a judge upon the earth. And he is sure, and it will happen, and there is one way of escape. There were not many ways to escape the flood. There was one. Noah didn't say, well, this is my truth. I'm sure everybody else has their truth about how this is all going to work out. I'm just going to let them figure out their truth. No, Noah said, you need to enter into this ark. It is the only way to survive the judgment that is coming. But this loving God that we serve, he has called us to enter into this ark and by it we will be saved. This was what Noah preached. He preached righteousness. And this is our calling, to preach righteousness, to say to a world, there is a way that God has given us to live. There is a way for us to escape our sin. There is one way and only one way, and it is through Jesus. And God used Noah to be that voice. In our day, God has called the church to be that voice. No other organization there's no other business, no entity, no organization on the planet that has the endorsement of Jesus himself to say, I am building this. I am using this. And I pour out my blessing on this. And the gates of hell will not prevail against this. This is us. This is the church. We are like Noah who proclaim and get ready because a day is coming in which judgment falls on the planet and Jesus has made a way of escape. Today, people around us are dying. People in this community and this region are dying. Families are falling apart. There is more prescription drug availability today than has ever existed in the history of our nation. There are more prescription drugs to relieve emotional and mental issues than have ever existed in the history of our nation. Yet mental dis-ease and mental disorder have spiked higher than in any other time in our nation's history. You can't tell me that that is the only way to provide peace into someone's mind. It's not working. Today, there is more freedom to express your sexual urges and identity than ever in our history. 1.3 million people in America now identify as transgender. Just transgender if we're talking about all of the sexual identities. What's fascinating is that over recent years, the number of adults who 
claim to be transgender has not changed in the percentage. But the number of young people has more than doubled. You tell me that the generation of young people is not being targeted today, is not being filled with truth to help them, and instead is choosing to walk in a lie about who they are. There's greater promise of self-expression today, but there is a greater rise of people filled with hopelessness in our day. We have bigger government today than ever before in the history of our nation, yet we have less freedoms than we've ever had in the history of our nation. There are more churches in our nation right now than we've ever had before. And there is less freedom of expression and more religion than there's ever been before. Churches do not always equal freedom. Especially in this day and time, when churches have chosen to be woke over to be awake by the Spirit. We've seen more and more people falling into lifeless, dead, empty religion and not finding life for the very areas of their life. Families are being swallowed up in alcohol, drugs, addiction, financial troubles, conflict, divorce, and hopelessness. And the answer is not more government, more laws, more money, more freedoms. The answer alone is Jesus. He alone can provide the help and rescue that is needed to free people from the bondage that they live in. And just as Noah preached in his day, we preach today, there is righteousness in Jesus. And we're called to be like Noah, to be just that, preachers of righteousness who hold up the righteous standard of God and call people to repent, to change their life, to follow Jesus, to go in his way, to bring an end to living life on their way and their terms, to stop living as a slave to their urges and follow what Jesus has come to do for you. This is our message. This is what we preach. Anybody can come in these doors here at Vertical. But we have not been positioned here and planted here by Jesus to pat people on the back in their sin. We have been given the mandate by Jesus to help people be free from their sin. Amen? We're not here to just pat them on the back. We're not here to be a buddy in their sin. We're here to help them be free from their sin. We're not here to just say, I got you, bro. I'm with you. I'm for you. I accept you. I affirm you. I can go with you. I celebrate you. No, Jesus did not come to just pat us on the back and say, I got you, bro. Jesus came to free us from our sin. This is what this region, this world needs today. He calls us to this. Jesus bore our sin and the sin of the world so they could be free from it. We're called to be preachers of righteousness. We're also called to build the church because this is what Jesus is building. The church is not just a good idea. It's God's idea. Our staff was at a, a conference this week and this, they just drove this theme home over and over again to us. It was so encouraging. 
It's not just a good idea. It's not just a nice add-on. It's God's idea. It's God's calling. The church is not just helpful, it's essential. And the people who give themselves to worshiping Jesus and being engaged and involved in a church, in the health and life of relationships, in the health and life of studying scripture, in the health and life of praying for one another, those people who do that, who go beyond just a religious performance, those people are better off in their life. People that are engaged and pray and serve and give their time here and put Jesus first, they're better off. They make better citizens in a community. They make for better marriages. They make for better parents. They make for good in our nation. And Jesus has called us to build the church. And Jesus called us to build our families. Noah was moved with godly fear and he prepared an ark for the saving of his household. Noah just didn't say, well, I mean, I've had this experience with God, but I'm just going to keep it myself. I'm just not going to talk about it. It's awkward to talk about it with my family. You know, it's awkward to talk about it with my wife. It's awkward to talk about it with my kids. No, Noah said, hey, fam, I'm building an ark because God has told me to. And here's the deal. I'm building this so that we can all escape the judgments that's to come. And they were so moved that they were engaged in the process. And this is what Jesus calls us to do. We're not here just for us. We're here to save our children, our grandchildren, a community, and others. We're to preach, we're to build, we're to rescue, and save a future generation. Now, the same verse says this next. It says that because Noah did all of this, it said he did this, it was by which he condemned the world. That's not so popular these days. You mean this was going to be offensive to the world around him? You mean this could come across to some people as mean-spirited? You mean this could come across even as hatred? The Bible says Noah built this ark and he preached righteousness. And by so doing, it sent a message to the world. Not of, I hate you, but I love you so much that you must come and enter into this ark. God has made a way for us to escape the judgment to come. And it was a statement, an indictment on the world that I don't believe your ways. I believe the Yahweh. I believe in his way. And we must go his way. And that stood out as condemnation to the world. He wasn't condemning them, but it stood out as a condemnation to them. When Noah said judgment is coming, he was turning against the world that was celebrating its sin and filled with corruption. When Noah preached righteousness, he was condemning the world of their ways and their self-love. When Noah chose to believe God, it stood out against the ways of the world. When Noah built an ark and said, this is the way of salvation, it stood out as a way that said to the world, that way won't work, this way will when Noah prioritized his life around the ark, it stood out to others as a clear message. I don't stand for what you stand for, but I'm calling you, imploring you, begging you, enter into the ark with me. And when Noah entered in to that ark with his family, it was a message to the world. 
The door's closing. Judgment is coming. Jesus never promised you and me that this message that we preach would be popular. Jesus never promised that you would get pats on the back and hugs and attaboys from the world because you preach that judgment is coming and Jesus has provided a way of escape. In fact, Jesus said, no, if you preach this message and if you follow me, you will face persecution. You will be rejected. You will be hated because they hated me first, Jesus said. So if Noah is a picture for us today, then we have to realize Noah preached, Noah built, Noah invited, Noah called, Noah stayed committed, and Noah entered in. And no one else believed. They despised him and his word. Because when you choose to believe crazy, that's what's going to happen. Not everybody's gonna celebrate you're crazy. Not everybody's going to stand and applaud you because you chose to believe God for something bigger than what they say. No one's going to stand and applaud you because you chose to believe God. But the Bible says next in this verse 7, that as a result of this, that Noah became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Noah received the confidence and the reward of knowing I heard you God I believed you God I committed my life to you I wrapped my life around preaching your truth and building your ark and God said to Noah well done good and faithful servant and Noah had the confidence of knowing I'm right with God I have peace with God and he received it not because he built an ark. According to faith. Because he chose to believe this. And because Noah put faith above his list, he was able to say, I'm not trying to eliminate crazy from my life. I'm actually trying to know crazy. I want to know crazy. I want to know what it is. I want to see it. And I want that for all of us, for each of you. For everyone in this room to have some element of crazy out in front of you. That you say, where the problems are in my life, I'm believing God for a promise. And I almost can't say it to anybody because if they heard me say it out loud, you'd think I'm crazy. This is the kind of faith we're invited to. If no one feared what other people were going to think, he would have never done it. But Noah got the courage and said, God, you said it. I believe it. I'm going to say it. And he did. And God blessed him as a result of it. In this room, I'm confident that whatever you're walking through, there's a crazy promise for you that God will do something bigger than what you could think or imagine. And he's waiting for you and I to believe it. Whether it be in your finances, whether it be in your relationships, whether it be about your future, whether it be about restoration of a broken relationship, whether it be about your children or your marriage or your own mind or your heart or hurts that have happened or that your future, you choosing to believe a promise that everybody else would think you are crazy. But here within this, this organization, this church, we ought to have some room for crazy. 
to tell one another, let me tell you about a crazy promise I'm believing God for. That ought to be the norm for us. It might feel weird out there, but it ought to be the norm in here. Where someone comes to you and says, let me tell you a promise I'm believing for my children. And you're not going to believe this, but God gave it to me. And you say it, and the other person go, that's awesome. Not, you crazy boy! No, it ought to be an affirmation of faith in this room with one another. Amen? So I'll go first. I'll tell you about a verse, two verses, that God put on my heart. And even right now, I'm feeling like, don't do it. Don't do it. It's going to sound crazy. People are going to think you're crazy. By faith, I'm going to do it anyway. As I pray and seek the Lord for who I am and who I am as a pastor here at this church and what God has in the future, a verse very clearly, two verses came to mind recently. God did not speak in an audible voice. He spoke deep in my spirit and I, I knew it was him. He confirmed it through his word. So I'm going to tell you two verses from Psalm chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. The passage is written as God speaking to his son. But because I'm in Christ, whatever God says to the son, he says to me. Here's what it says. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. When I heard that, read that, inside me was this unusual mix of, that's crazy, what do you know? Yes, this is the Spirit of God. So here's what I am hearing God tell me, for me, based on his word, I'm believing a promise that not just my ministry, my family, and this church, our ministry will not be restricted to Ovilla, Ellis County, or this region, but to the nations. Jesus said, ask of me, and I will give you the nations. So I... I'm going to be crazy enough to believe it in faith. I can't comprehend it. It sure doesn't fit any of this list right here. But I'm going to believe it because God said it deep in me and confirmed it in his word or proved it by his word. So I'm believing we're not done here. We're not restricted here. We're not located just here. God has called us to bring a message of truth. And it will be if we will ask him to the nations, not just to the counties of Texas, not just to the states of the nation, but to the nations. So if you want to join me in believing that, I welcome you. You come on and join me in that. This is what I'm believing by faith. Amen? Now, as a staff, we have talked. I'll tell you about another crazy that's coming. We've already started action on this one. We are about to enter the month of March. I told you last week about a series coming up called This Is Our Banner. And all throughout the month of March, we're gonna be talking about what Jesus has called us to hold up before the world today. What is the banner that we believe? 
The last Sunday of March is Resurrection Sunday. And on that day, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do here. We are going to literally lift up the banner of Jesus here. In our worship time on that day, as Caleb is already preparing with the team, it'll be beautiful, powerful worship as normal, as always here. And there'll be songs about the names and the power of Jesus. And as that is happening, we will have people begin to enter the room with seven foot tall, three foot wide banners that will hang from a long pole and on each one of them will be one of the beautiful and powerful names of Jesus. The cornerstone, the great I am, the lion of the tribe of Judah and onward until we are surrounded by them here in this room. And I'll go ahead and give you the punchline. Then we're going to bring in a banner that's bigger than all the rest that has the name of Jesus on it. We will experience truly what it means to lift up the name of the Lord here in this place. So you're going to want to invite family and friends here on that day because we are going to do what we say we are. Lift him up and live him out. Amen? You're not going to want to miss that day and you're not going to want a friend to miss that day. We are also confident in what God is calling us to do and what he will do, so much so that on Resurrection Sunday, we are going to have four worship services here that morning. Amen. Last year we had three. We've experienced growth and we believe this message is significant enough that we will want to tell our friends to come see and experience this Jesus because he will change your life. So on your way out today, you'll be given this card that tells you about the four services and the times. If you're already crunching all that in your mind, I'll tell you ahead of time. 8 o'clock, 9.15, 10.30, and 11.45. You'll get one of these cards on the way out today. Make sure you take one of these home. On the back, it tells you about the egg hunt that's coming up prior to that, not on the same day, but earlier, and how to be a part of that. So we are believing these by faith. I know you might look and say, is this really a good idea? Look, we go through that stuff as a staff, but we are choosing to put what God says above what we think and believe him for it. Amen? So, will you join me in believing and praying toward that end for this? Amen. I'm excited about this. This is what we have been called to. And I want us to be a people who don't do all we can to filter out crazy. Let's choose to believe what God says and accept some crazy in our life. Let's choose to believe what God says and make some room for some crazy Let's have some capacity for crazy. To believe something that's bigger than you. To believe something that seems impossible. That doesn't always check the boxes. That requires absolute trust in you, in him. That requires you to believe what you cannot see. Because the Bible says in this same chapter of Hebrews that those who did this, those who had that kind of crazy faith, that the sea parted in front of them when it stood to block them. The walls fell down 
found that were against them. The nations were saved. The mouths of lions were shut. People escaped from the mouths of lions. People escaped from the, the, the fire that was in front of them. They saw miracles happen. They saw their dead raised. They saw their lives change and they saw God glorify himself. That's what I want us to be, a people who are willing to believe some crazy. Amen. So I'm asking you, will you seek the Lord? Will you choose to believe the crazy? Will you give yourself to it fully as a follower of Jesus and as the church of Jesus in this day and this time? Will you do that? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I know you have plans for our lives that are beyond what our small minds can even think or imagine. I'm asking you to not increase our logic, to not increase our understanding, but to increase our faith to put you first, to believe what you say above what we think, feel, or choose. And even though it may seem crazy to a world around us and even to ourselves, that we would choose to believe it. So God, I'm asking you, pour out your spirit. Increase our faith that we might trust you for bigger things, for greater things, for even the miraculous. Because this is the kind of God you are. This is what you've promised to do. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.